listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. You're listening to the ministry of Let the Bible Speak. And today we are continuing a short study on Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 contains a parable in three parts as the Lord deals with the murmuring of the scribes and the Pharisees as they complained that the Lord was receiving publicans and sinners. Their objection was that the Lord was willing to take notorious sinners unto himself. They showed themselves to being devoid of understanding the grace of God in the gospel. In response to their objections, the Lord gives this parable in three parts. The parable containing the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Our attention in the last broadcast was on the lost son, known as the prodigal son. That story, though, gives us details also regarding his elder brother. And the elder brother in a very tragic sense, also shows himself to be lost. And it is this elder brother that we will focus upon today. It will give some consideration to the nature of his lostness and do trust that God will bless his word. If you want to listen to the full unedited sermon, it is available on sermonaudio.com forward slash malvern. You'll see there, indeed, a full series of studies on the Gospel of Luke, and I would encourage you to go to that website and benefit from those studies in the Word of God. I'd also ask, if you have any uh, comments or questions you'd like to get in touch, please do uh, use our email address, malvernfpc at yahoo.com. Uh, we certainly would love to hear from any of our listeners, and in any way that we can help you in your Walking with the Lord, we'd be very glad to do so. So I trust that today God will bless his word uh, to your hearts as we consider the second lost son, the one we're going to call the proper son. That is the prodigal son, one who's obviously lost. The second son I've called the proper son. Proper is an interesting word, the old word, proper means one who behaved in a way that is correct according to social and moral rules. Proper. They're prim and proper. Behaving in a manner that is socially acceptable. Conforming to moral rules and regulations. The elder brother is such a proper son. Let's think first of all about the proof of his lostness. Who does this elder brother represent in the parable? Well, some may suggest he represents no one in particular. Parables have one central meaning, and here the central meaning is about lost things being found. But there is evidence here validating the elder brother as being seen as having a meaningful purpose in the parable that we should study the elder brother carefully. Think about the context and the content of the parable. Lost things have been found and the result of the lost things being found is joy. The third part of the parable, not only the sheep and the coin, but the son provokes joy in the parable. Verse number 23, 
Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. There's to be joy in the recovery of the lost son. Joy. But now, for the first time in this parable, in the third part, there is a contrast. The elder brother does not have joy, but anger. Up to now, there's been nothing but joy, but now the elder brother brings anger. Verse number 28, and he was angry and would not go in. He refused to share in the joy that was being expressed by those who were partying with the father in the return of the son. This anger, this lack of joy must correspond to verse number two. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth of them. They would not go in. There's a murmuring and an angry spirit. And so the parable as often the case with the Lord is a parable that brings a sting in the tail at the end. The Pharisees are lost. They do not believe in Christ. In John chapter 1, Christ came unto his own, his own received him not. They are outside the emotions of heaven. They cannot share in the joy of heaven in the presence of the angels. They are of a different spirit. Hence the elder brother I believe is a lost son, a proper son, but a lost son nonetheless. The proof of his lostness. Secondly, though, the privilege of his heritage. Verse number 31 has caused some difficulties as people have understood this parable. Verse 31 says, And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And those words have caused people some consternation. Does that not question the lostness of this proper son? Well, I don't believe verse 31 denies his lostness in the parable. But what we've just read in verse 31 must be correctly interpreted. There are three elements to the verse. Son, number one. Art ever with me, number two. And all that I have is thine, number three. I believe that all of these terms indicate the privilege that was afforded to Israel under God. See, turn please to Romans chapter 9. The context of the gospel as the Lord is dealing with the Pharisees would indicate that if he's, if he's pointing out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, he's going to do that knowing where they come in terms of redemptive history. And they are indeed a privileged people. Romans chapter 9 verse number 3. For I could wish... That myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, my son, and the glory, that were ever with me, and the covenants, all that I have is thine. The sense of the privileges of the people of God in the Old Testament. The adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, and the service of God and the promises. These are the blessings known by Israel. And I believe that's what the Lord is hinting at and implying in Luke chapter 15. My son, they had the adoption. You think of Hosea chapter 11 verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Sense which Israel is the son of God. Art ever with me? Well, they had the glory of God, the Shekinah glory in the wilderness. Throughout the, the days, the glory that left in Ezekiel. 
the glory that came in the person of Christ, the Messiah, the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God coming, not in a pillar now, but in a person, in Jesus Christ. He came unto his own. And so even look chapter 13, when it comes to their excuses, they say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence. You're ever with us. And then also, all that I have is thine, the covenant. Oh, in the end, Israel lost their covenant privileges through unbelief. But the promise is the inheritance was theirs to be had. We know from Romans chapter 9 that they lost it all. Romans 9 through 11, through unbelief, they lost these things. But the Lord still acknowledges the privilege. The elder brother represents those who were greatly privileged under God. I do think we have a parallel here. We are not Israel. Our children are not born in Israel. They're not born in this situation. But our children have been born under tremendous privilege. Today is the 500th anniversary of Luther's Here I Stand statement of the Deed of Burns. 500 years. This church exists in part of that legacy. As a reformed church, we stand upon the privilege of those who have heard Luther stand. Here I stand upon truth. Here I stand upon the gospel. Rulers or priests or prelates will not overthrow gospel truth. I stand upon the word of God. And we are those who stand upon that history. And our children are raised with the word of God in their own language. An English Bible. Countless of them in their, in their homes. They're raised under Sabbath school, under gospel preaching. What privileges they have. And yet they may still be lost. They may not act as a prodigal, but they may have a heart. Because having noticed the proof of his lostness and the privilege of his heritage, note the problem with his heart. Verse number 29 gives us an insight into this proper son and his heart. Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress thy at any time thy commandment. There are many who, who see this as a theme that Luke is developing as he deals with the Pharisees and the religious. Go back to chapter 5, please. Luke chapter 5. And the verse number 27. And after these things he went forth and saw a publican. Here's the... Here's a time when the Lord is going to eat and drink with a publican. Levi, Matthew, sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said to him, follow me. And he left all, rose up and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured. You see the parallels here? And they murmured saying, why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, they that are whole Need not a physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, when we looked at that portion uh, months and months ago, we made the point that the Lord is not suggesting that there are those who are righteous who do not need a saviour, but there are those who think they are righteous, think they are whole, and therefore they ignore the overtures of a kind physician. The physician came to call sinners to heal the sick. Then you've got... Luke chapter 18, so after Luke 15, you go forward to Luke chapter 18, 
And there's another interesting parallel. Here it is, the Pharisee in the temple. Verse 11, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And then also chapter 18, the verse number 21. The young man, the young man who has a desire to inherit eternal life. Verse 21, having been presented with the law of God, he says, all these have have I kept from my youth up. The elder brother, I've never transgressed your commandments. The elder brother, I'm not like my younger brother. The elder brother, a demonstration of self-righteousness. The other brother represents a self-righteous and deceived. He thought he'd earned the father's blessing. You know, as I thought about this, this legalistic works mindset reveals a heart issue. What is the saddest thing in this account? Is that this elder brother doesn't really know his father. That's what makes this so profoundly sad. He can't understand his father's actions at embracing the returning prodigal. He can't understand his father's actions at killing the calf and having this feast to celebrate the brother's return. He doesn't know his father. That's what's so heartbreaking. He's been with him all this time. But has never entered into the heart of the father. He presumed the father was legalistic and overbearing and restraining and commanding. He did not see the generosity, the openness of heart the father was glad to give to him. We we often criticize the self-righteous. And say, well, the problem with the self-righteous is that they don't know and understand the law. Please, give yourself a shake and think of this for a minute or two, please. You know Protestants, you know liberal Protestants who believe that they are good enough to be accepted and pleasing to God. You go to their doors. You need to see if you're, no, I'm just fine. I'm I'm a good person. You know all the Roman Catholics who believe that they are acceptable to God because of their sacrifices and their service and all their rituals. They believe these things. And how do we deal with them? We say to them, you don't understand the law. You're not righteous. You haven't kept the law. You don't understand the heart issue of the law. You're a lawbreaker, but you don't see it. And that's true. But... We must understand also that the tragedy of the self-righteous is not only that they do not understand the law, but they don't understand God. They do not understand grace. They do not understand the goodness of God. Self-righteousness is robbing God of his glory. Self-righteousness is theft against the glory of God. God is glorified by showering grace upon the undeserving. 
There is none righteous, no, not one. Yes, we we must understand the nature of the law. But at the same point, to free ourselves from self-righteousness, we've got to understand the nature of grace that God loves and delights in pouring out grace upon grace upon grace to those who deserve no grace at all. That is the nature and character of our God. And this elder brother does not know his father. That's his lostness. And it's absolutely tragic. Because having this inability to know his father, he then shows his inability to love his brother. He has no love for his brother. He would rather the brother was out of sight, out of mind, still among the pigs. We should have no sympathy for the elder brother here. Oh, but we want, we want a dutiful son who's done all what was right. But the dutiful son has never entered into the heart of the father. And has a heart that is hard and stony and stubborn, that has no openness for the returning brother. He won't even go in and share with a calf, let alone give his brother an embrace and a hug. You see, the Jews had no love for the Gentiles. The Pharisees had no love for the sinner. And the elder brother had no love for his brother. It all comes down to the fact that the heart did not understand grace. Now the fourth thing of this elder brother, we've seen the proof of his lostness, the privilege of his heritage, the problem of his heart. And then fourthly, the pleading of the father, verse number 28, the pleading of the father. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. This is mind-blowing. We find the father looking on the horizon for the prodigal. But here we find the father going out after the elder brother. Grace upon grace. Spurgeon says this, I hardly know which to admire most. The love of the father when he fell upon the neck of the prodigal or the love of the father when he went out to talk with his elder son. Oh, our God is very good to us when we give way to naughty tempers, says Spurgeon. We're not told the end of the story for the brother. The story just ends. How did the elder brother receive the reproof and the rebuke? How did the elder brother receive the pleading of the father? We don't know. Oh, we do know, praise God. We know that people like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus came to love the Lord and come into the Father's embrace. We know that in Acts chapter 6, there were many priests who were obedient to the faith. We praise God that all Israel was not lost at this time. We praise God that there were some elder brothers who forsook their self-righteousness and embraced the grace of God. We rejoice in that. But at this point in time, we are not told how the elder brother felt regarding the reproof. There are two lost sons. And every single one of us in this room fits somewhere along the spectrum of this particle. I guarantee you, there's not one of you could come and talk to me today that I could not put you somewhere in this particle. For some of you, 
You're tempted to be a prodigal. And go back to our young men, but also our young ladies. Within your heart, there is a temptation to get rid of all the restraints of gospel truth. And run into a far country. I have one word for you. Not all prodigals return home. Do you understand that? Do you not think for a time you can enjoy freedom and presume that at some other point in time you'll come back and be reconciled to your father and know the embrace of God? There are many who have run into a far country and have gone from the swineherd into hell itself. Perhaps there are some, and right now in your heart you're in a far country. No longer are you tempted. You've already succumbed to temptation. You're in a far country. Perhaps you're listening in, watching on. Perhaps you're here and you're, you're already there. Come ye sinners, poor and needy. Come, return home. Come to your senses. Come to yourself, verse number 17. Get up and run to Christ. But do not do so with the legal mindset that the prodigal has at a point. I am no more worthy to call thy son. I'm going to serve God and earn favor. No, run as a prodigal and simply fall into the embrace of God and his grace. He will take you as a son, not as a slave. He will gladly share blessings upon you because that glorifies God. Don't deny God his glory by coming back to God and saying, I'm going to earn my way back into the favor of God. Simply gladly accept the grace of God offered to you in the gospel. It sounds scandalous. It sounds reckless. But it's what the word of God teaches. Now, grace does not lead to license. The prodigal is not embraced in the swineherd. He left it and doesn't go back to it. Grace does not lead to license. But legalism must not deny the gospel. Some, some of you, you're a prodigal that's been saved. And you're still enjoying the fatted calf. Wearing the robe with a ring upon your finger. What joy there is in that. What joy there is in simply coming to the house of God Lord's Day by Lord's Day. Saying, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Some, perhaps, you're an elder brother. You've never left. You've accepted the restraints. You've come to tolerate your life. I've got to go to church. got to do Bible readings and got to do all these things and We've got to sing and this sense of obligation to continue serve God. How might you know that you're an elder brother today? Well, are you a stranger to joy? Are you a stranger to joy in the things of God? Have you no longing to see prodigals return? Content with a nice church, with nice people wearing nice clothes? But no burden for others to be saved. No desire for a 1 Corinthians 6 church. 
with all of these people coming into our midst with all their baggage and all their sin. I don't really want any of that. That's the spirit of the elder brother. Now you may not be lost, but you may have embraced some of that spirit. Then your soul, you have no desire to see joy in heaven over the sin that repents. Perhaps, truth be told, you're an elder brother because you harbor even just some minute idea that God will bless you one day because after all you served him. That you know that when it comes to glory and you stand before God, you have this one minute idea that God's going to be pleased with you because of what you have done. That single minute idea is the spirit of the elder brother that can creep into the true child of God. Where they don't say, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. But rather they say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But while we're at it, look at all this. Tell me, are we free from such a mindset? I tell you we're not. I need to fight continually the spirit of the elder brother in our souls. Some of you, praise God, have come to understand the grace of God. Not for a time you were an elder brother. You were part of a church and you were self-righteous and pleased yourself. You didn't, you didn't run off and waste all your living, but you, you lived in the context of the church. But praise God, you came to see that you were not righteous either. You were lost And you're the part of the story that's not yet told. Because the Father came out and pleaded with you. You sat under gospel grace and you heard about the free grace of God in the gospel. That was the Father coming out and whispering in your ear and saying, Would you not come in and enjoy the feast? Some of you praise God, you came to that experience. See, God is glorified by showering grace upon the undeserving. In church, out of church, always at church, wherever you are, whatever your relationship is to the church, God is glorified by showering grace upon those who don't deserve it. It's all of grace. Challenge is, because I know you say amen to that. The challenge is to scrutinize your heart in such a way that you can weed out those little bits of self-righteousness that exist due to remaining sin hinder us from really enjoying the grace of God. So may God help us to know and love the grace of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.